Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. All right, so today we are going to be continuing our, our series through the, the book of Colossians, um, picking up right where Pastor Cameron left off last week here in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be starting in verse 1. And uh, so the, the big idea for today, kind of the, the take home for today, I always like to start my message with this is, this is where we're going. This is what you can take home with you, right? And the idea is that, that Paul has been communicating a lot in, in this letter up till now. And so he's saying at this point, since you have been raised with Christ, right? We, we saw that in last week's message. We saw uh, him talk about it, you know, being raised with Christ, being brought into newness of life in the first chapter, in the second chapter. Uh, Cameron talked about it last week. Graham talked about it the week before. Because we have been raised with Christ, because we uh, are a new creation, we should live our lives in alignment with Christ. Oh, it doesn't, it's not, that's not uh, revolutionary, right? But the idea is that because of who Christ is, Right? Because of what he's done, because we have died and have been raised with him, things are now different for us than they were before. And so Paul communicates, he says, why are things different now? And it's because you have died. And we're going to see that early on in chapter 3. For you died. Paul is very clearly saying that something significant has happened. Right? And as he says in the letter of Corinthians, as we sang about this morning, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And we saw uh, this in Colossians 2, uh, 11 and 12. And I'm just going to look back at what Cameron talked about in Colossians 2, 20. He says, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Right? Paul is saying, you've died to that old way of life. You've died to that. That's no longer who you are. And so don't act like you're still living in the dominion of darkness when you have been transferred, as he says in the first chapter, as you have been transported from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son, who he loves. And this, we're really new citizens in a new kingdom, right? And this citizenship in the kingdom has new rules and has new expectations, all right? I was trying to get my mind uh, around this, and the, the first thought that popped into my head, I hope this is a, a decent illustration, we'll, we'll find out. Amber will correct me uh, for second service. Just kidding. So say I, say I move to England, right? If I move to, to, to England, I have to now follow the rules of England, all right? right? For example, they, they drive on the left side of the road. That's correct. Good. And, uh, I, and so I can't say, if I move to England, I can't say, well, you know what, I've always just driven on the right side of the road, you know, and I can't really change that. It's just kind of who I am, right? I'm a right side road driver. It just feels right to me, right? I can't, I can't do that anymore, right? So I would submit to the rules, right, and I would drive on the left side of the road because I'm not in the U.S. anymore. Right? I'm now in England, and I now need to abide by the English rules. 
Right? And so since we have relinquished our rights as citizens of the dominion of darkness, the kingdom of the enemy, we are now called to abide by the rules of our new king. We are called to abide by the rules of our new king, King Jesus. All right? And so that is what Paul is talking about today. He's saying, and he spent the first two chapters talking about this theology of who Jesus is. Right? We spent a long time talking about Jesus, the, the head of all creation. He spoke everything into being. He is the head of the church, the, the body of Christ. He is a big deal. And, and Cameron talked last week about the, the importance of being connected to Jesus as the head. And today he gets a little bit more specific talking about some of the, the, the commands and the expectations, the rules, if you will, of living in this new community. What does that look like for you and I today? And so we're just going to read through Colossians 1 through 14, Colossians 3, 1 through 14, uh, and then we're going to uh, just go through verse by verse. Really, uh, there's a lot here, so we're going through thought by thought, because it's going to be a little bit quicker for us. All right, so, do, 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 before you die, oh, there we go. Since then, Paul says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Uh, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Yeah, so Paul is talking about living as those made alive in Christ. And the, well, I believe the thrust of this passage, the thrust of, of this entire book, is how we live in community as a fellowship of believers. How we live in community, in unity, in, in the diversity of the church. All right, and so that is what we're going to talk about. He starts out in verse 1. He says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And there's, so you see Paul says, set your hearts on things above and set your minds on things above. And he's using two different Greek words, but the focus of both of them is on the things above. It is on Jesus Christ. It is on this new kingdom, the kingdom of the Son, that we are focused on. 
And the first one set, that we translate set your hearts on in the NIV is this Greek word zeteo, uh, which means to devote serious effort to realize one's desire. Right? So we're devoting active energy to realize what we're running after. And the second one here, set your minds on the things above, is the Greek word phreneo, which means to give careful consideration to something, to set one's mind on as it's translated there. And so Paul has two different ideas here. There's number one, this physical, uh, this active pursuit of the things of God, right? And the second is this mental reorientation of the things of God, of the kingdom of God. And he's saying that because we've been buried and raised with Christ, all of our actions and all of our thoughts should be on the kingdom or should be through the filter of the kingdom of God. I didn't touch anything. Okay. Okay. So all of our thoughts, all of our actions should be on the kingdom. And he's saying that no longer are we allowed to align ourselves with the things of the fall, right? He says, set your hearts on things above, right? The things of the kingdom of God, not on the earthly things, right? And Paul is not saying that the earthly uh, physical life is bad. You know, uh, Graham talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? There's not this separation that spiritual things are good and physical things are bad. But what Paul is talking about here is the things associated with the fall, Right? Things associated with sin and death and corruption. Right? And he says we can't align ourselves with those, th- those things anymore. The things that bring death. Things for which the wrath of God is coming. And when we align ourselves with these things, we are actually being conduits of death. Right? We are being conduits of the dominion of darkness, as it says in chapter 1. We are sowing the seeds of death. As we, as we focus and we live our lives out of those things, and we are reaping the fruit of destruction in our lives. You see, these earthly sinful things, these things of the, the sinful nature, they bring division. And we need to run from division as quickly and as fast. Those are the same words. They mean the same thing. We need to run from them as quickly and as fast as possible. So, where are we? One fruit of the gospel that we see is oneness, is unity. And that, I think, is what Paul's main idea here is. And we, I want to see where Jesus talks about something similar in the gospel uh, of John. This is from chapter 17. Jesus is is getting ready to to go to the cross. And and this is in the, the midst of his big final prayer. And he says that my prayer is not for them. He's talking about the disciples here. My prayer is not for the disciples alone. I pray for also for those who will believe in me through their message. All right? And so that is every single one of us and every believer on the face of the earth. We all are believers because of, of the, the witness and, and the testimony of those early disciples. Okay? And so I pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Right? Jesus was about unity. We want them all to be one, Father, just as uh, you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Right? And this is the interesting bit here. Well, it's all interesting, but this is the culmination, right? Then, when they're in unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So good. Jesus' prayer is that those who believe in him will be in unity. Right? And this kingdom distinctive that is revealed uh, in the teaching of Jesus, is revealed through all uh, of Paul's epistles, right, is that there, there is unity in the body of Christ. And there's this reality. And so when Paul says, you know, set your hearts on the things above, set your minds on the things above, it's because sin, the things of the fall, the, sin, the things of this earth, brings disunity. It brings separation and division, right? And we in the kingdom are called to live in unity. And then, like we said in verse 23 here, this unity uh, is, uh, allows the church to bear witness of Christ, right? As we are in unity with one another in this local congregation, when this local congregation is in unity with the other congregations in Kalamazoo County, and when the, the church in Kalamazoo is in unity with the Church of Michigan and the United States and in all the world, right, this unity of, of the believers is a, a, a witness of Christ, and it is a, a foundational aspect of fulfilling our mission to reveal Jesus to the whole world. And that is significant, right? It's unity, it's our unity with one another that affects our witness to the world. And so when we live in unity, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, like an incarnational declaration of John 3.16, right? When people see uh, our love and our compassion, our humility, our unity for one another, they will see Jesus. And they will know his love. How does that work? I don't know. It just says what it says. So, we're, it's, all, it's all about unity. And so then, after the, the little introduction, verses 1 through 4, Paul gets very specific. Right? He gets very specific, though not exhaustive, giving us actions and thought processes that are part of this earthly, sinful nature, and therefore have to be removed from the lives of the Christ followers, as, uh, as well as in a few verses he gives some very specific uh, actions and thought processes that are part of this new life in Christ. So we're going to start in verse 5 here. It says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So, uh, therefore, Paul is saying, and again, you know, since you have died with Christ, and since you have this great eternal hope, uh, when Jesus returns, because of the reality that you are no longer in the dominion of darkness, we are now in the kingdom of God's Son, you should put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Right? We, he's calling us to stop anything and everything that would bring division in the community and division between us and God. Right? He's saying, don't allow these things to linger 
in your life. Don't toy with them. Don't compartmentalize the, the things of the earth and the things of the fall and think, well, I'm just going to kind of dabble in them a little bit because that's just who I am. That's just how the world works, right? Those things are, are alien to us, right? They're part of the old citizenship. They're part of that old kingdom where we don't live anymore, Right? And the reality is that if something is contrary to life in Christ, it will corrupt and it will destroy. And we can see a, a great picture of this. Um, Anakin Skywalker was... <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just so good. It's so rele relevant. What's that, Mark, wasn't that movie like 15 years ago? Doesn't matter. 20 years ago? Anakin, he was corrupted by the dark side of the force. We all know what happened to Anakin, right? He became good. Okay, we're on board here. So uh, in, in Vandalia, I might have to give a little bit more context, a little more background. But so, so Anakin was corrupted by the dark side of the force, right? And we saw him through the prequels, regardless of what you think about the prequels, right? We, uh, we saw him, he allowed his anger and his pride and his selfish, selfishness to run unchecked, right? And eventually, right, it led him to destroy the very thing that he loved, right? And it didn't just affect him. It affected Padme and it affected Obi-Wan, and it affected Alderaan. That was no good, right? It affected the whole, the whole galaxy, right? Was because he refused to, to put away these things of the sinful nature. All right, it's a, it's maybe it's a stretch. Yeah, you're with me. You're good. And so the Jedi Code... Right? The Jedi Code warned him about attachments. We see that, you know, Obi-Wan warns him. Yoda warns him, right? He says, fear leads to anger. <laughs> anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Huh? So, it's my Yoda. It's the best I can do. Um, and so, and right, <laughs> thank you. What, what's great is that People will go up to Cameron and go, Mark, Mark's sermon was great. Oh, what was great about it? He did Yoda. It's the only thing you'll remember. See, that's it. Whatever. That's fine. And so when, when Anakin, right, yeah, so when Anakin let himself uh, kind of fall prey to these things that the, the Jedi Code warned him about, it didn't just affect him, right? It affected the whole galaxy. And so Paul warns us, he says, do you want to be like Anakin? Do you want to destroy all that is good and beautiful in your life and in the life of those around you? You don't want that. So put to death everything that leads to the dark side. Right? If Anakin would have listened to Paul or would have listened to Yoda or would have, I'm not putting Paul and Yoda on the same level. They're different. Don't take that away. If Anakin would have listened, listen, this would have been an incredibly different story. If he would have put off those things and, and trusted, oh, this is, getting, this is getting weird, if he would have trusted in the light side, uh, he might not have killed Padme. Anyway, so Jesus teaches the same thing. <laughs> Let's get away from that as quickly as possible. <laughs> that, that, went, that went right. Okay, um, so 
Jesus, in the, 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 the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about adultery. He says, you know, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, because it's better to go into eternity with, with one eye than to go into condemnation with both eyes. Ooh, that seems serious, right? If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, right? And so Jesus is teaching this similar idea that get rid of everything that is associated or that draws you away from the kingdom. Get rid of everything that turns your attention away from me. And he says in verse 6, because of these things, the things of of the, the earth or the things of the fall, these things that bring corruption, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Right? And this is serious. Right? The, the, the wrath of God, Paul is referring to the final judgment, right? When Christ comes back. And not only the good news that we saw in verse 4 of this chapter, and we saw in chapter 1 in the introduction, right? Not only are we going to appear with him in glory, and it is going to be amazing and wonderful as Christ followers, but he is going to once and for all defeat sin and death in that final judgment. And he is going to separate the godly from the ungodly, right? He's going to destroy the things of the earth. He's going to bring a new heaven and a new earth. And all of this wrath and judgment is in response to and is an eradication of sin. He's dealing with it because it's no good. It's opposed to him. It is opposed to the things of, of the kingdom. Sin, which brings separation from God, sin, which brings separation from one another, is going to be destroyed in the final judgment. And so why would we want to toy with or allow to linger in our lives the very things that bring death, destruction, and corruption, the very things that God is coming to destroy? And the reality is that sin cannot be just an individual, isolated issue. All right? Sin affects not just you. It affects your, your family. It affects your community. And really, it, it, like, as I said, it's a conduit of sin and corruption and death into the creation. Right? And there's this reality that we have to understand that every time we sin, it always destroys something. It always destroys something. There's no baby sin that is unaffected, right? It is always bringing death. And so in verse 8, Paul goes into his second vice list, right? He says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And so he's saying, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, get rid of them. They should all be far from your lips, right? I don't think that, so or what I do think is that from your lips is including all of these, right? He's not saying get rid of being angry and also get rid of filthy language from your lips. I think he's saying get rid of angry uh, words, right? When you're, you're conducting yourself with other people in the community, don't come at them with anger and rage and malice and filthy language, right? We are, we're, because those things bring division and corruption. And he is moving us towards being unified in our community, right? Amen, thank you. And so he's saying, watch out how you talk to one another, right? The pursuit is unity here. And he says, don't lie to each other. 
since you have taken off, or in the, the ESV it says, since you have put off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of its creator. Right? You've put that off. Right? And now, and, and so the, the, the image that Paul is trying to convey here is like taking off, your, taking off these old clothes. Right? Take off all this anger and rage and malice and throw that away. That's not who you are anymore. You've been given new clothes, which he talks about a little bit more, right? But he's saying, you don't live like that anymore. It's not who you are. It is not who you are anymore. You are a new creation. And as we can see here, for Paul, this is not a salvation issue, right? The act of, of taking off the old humanity is already accomplished. It's done. And Paul here is just pointing to uh, the, the implications of that action, right? You're already in the kingdom. Right? It's like we, uh, the illustration I used at the beginning, it, moving to England. I'm already in England. Regardless of what side of the road I'm driving on, I'm in. Okay? And this is the same thing. Paul is saying, you are in the kingdom of God's Son. Because you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are now in the kingdom. So act like it. And so when we read this text through our Western individualistic lens, we miss this significant picture that Paul is painting, right? Yes, we have individually become a new creation, right? But more importantly than that, we have been brought into God's new creation. We have been brought into God's new community that he is creating, right? And he, he talks about it in Ephesians. I don't really have time to to look at that but i encourage you to read ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 16 where paul says to he's talking to the gentiles he said you guys were once far away you guys were not part of the family of god but now because of jesus you have been brought near right and we jews and gentiles alike are now one body we are one people we are one community and we can see the, the culmination uh, of Paul's discussion of what this new community or this new humanity looks like here in verse 11. This is one of the best verses, right? Here in this kingdom, in this community, there's no Jew or Gentile. There's no circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. And Paul is in, in no way saying that Jewishness is unimportant, that being a Gentile is unimportant, or this culture is unimportant. Like, J Paul was a Jew, and he celebrated be his Jewish heritage, right? He practiced all the, the, the Jewish uh, rigmarole. <laughs> the seminary term, yeah, rigmarole. Uh, um, but at the same time, he didn't force that, re you know, those, that rigmarole onto the Gentiles, right? right? He celebrated the, the diversity of, of cultures. And yet what he's saying is, as, even as we celebrate the diversity of the church, we are all one. We are all equal before God. The Jews aren't in first place and, okay, here come the Gentiles. Right? We are all equal and we are all one before God. Racial, cultural, socioeconomic, intellectual divisions do not exist in the new humanity. 
right? And as part of the body of Christ, being in unity, this is our top priority. We just looked at Jesus' prayer for unity and those who believe in him and the, the prerequisite of this unity for our evangelism and for fulfilling our mission. And as we look forward to, to Christ's return, we see in Revelations, right, that there's going to be a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. And we will all together stand before the throne and before the Lamb. Right? This diversity of nations, this diversity of cultures and people, and the unity of them through the power of the Holy Spirit, this is the hallmark of the church. This is who we are, and it's who we are going to be. And so Paul says, Therefore, since these things are true, since you have put off this stuff, the old man. You know, you've taken off these old clothes. Therefore, as God's chosen people, look, he's talking about a community, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, and love which binds them all together in perfect unity. All right, here we have the, the counterpart of the prohibitions that Paul gave in verses 5 through 11. All right, Paul has shown what's not supposed to be happening in the community as we relate to one another. And here is what the community of unity looks like and what we will, in the, the actions and the, the thought processes that are going to promote unity. Right? And that paves the way for Christian witness. Okay? Uh, you've taken off the old clothes. Right? You've taken off that stuff. You've put off rage and anger and malice. And so now put on the new clothes, the things of this kingdom, the things of your new citizenship, which are compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And this can be easy with people that we like. It can even be hard with people we like, right? But it's easy with, with people who are like us. But this, you know, putting this into action gets a, a lot more difficult when we're talking about people that we don't like. Or people who are strange. Or people, yeah, there's strange people in the church. What? No, that seems crazy. Or people that are different from us, right? People that maybe we feel have slighted us or offended us or betrayed us, walking this out, putting these new clothes on, is much more difficult. We don't want to... If, we, wrapping up, wrapping up. We can't use uh, Christ as just eternal fire insurance. Right? We want to be conduits uh, of the kingdom life into the world where we live right now, all right? And just as Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we bring the kingdom, right, not by being good hermits, right, not by being, you know, righteous, isolated individuals, but we bring the kingdom by being loving, compassionate, humble citizens of the community of God. 
And there's a reality that we see uh, in Jesus' life and in Paul's life and in James's life and, in, and uh, of so many uh, Christian leaders, right, that love involves sacrifice. As Christ followers, we are called to cruciformity. We are called to take on the shape of the cross. That Jesus revealed his compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness by dying on the cross when we were still shaking our fists in defiance against him. And so what does this look like for you and I? What, is it, what does it mean to, to, to live in, in compassion and humility and love in the community? You know, I've got a, a friend who, after the, the uh, events of this, this past week, uh, she, uh, in, in Grand Rapids, went to a, a church service that was predominantly uh, African-American church um, after the shootings of Philando Castile and Alton Sterling. And she went just to listen and to grieve and to understand, right, and just to support our brothers and our sisters in this difficult area, this difficult time. You know, we don't have all the answers. You know, and maybe we even have different opinions about what the right solution is. But that doesn't give us any right to bring disunity into the church. Amen. Right? There's pain. And, and so it's just, I was just so encouraged to see that. You know, she just went there and was like, I got nothing, but I want to be here with you. Right? Or maybe, you know, for us, how do we, how do we take on, you know, the, the, this cruciform life? How do we show compassion and humility? Maybe it means we show up at JLK tonight, right? And we, we show that the church in Kalamazoo is unified, right? And like Jesus said, when, when people, when the world sees our unity, it paves the way for the mission. It paves the way for them to know that Jesus came for them and that the Father loves them. Amen. I don't know how it works, right? And so maybe living, a, I gotta wrap up, maybe living a, a life of sacrifice means joining a, a, a small group when all you want to do is stay home, right? Maybe it means coming and and instead of just consuming at church and coming and enjoying the worship, maybe it means laying your life down and going, you know, I'm going to serve, I'm going to, I'm going to make coffee. I'm going to serve in children's ministry or in the nursery or some other place. I'm going to not just receive and take, but I'm going to pour out and love this community and bring unity to the church. And Paul calls us to bear with one another and to forgive one another. You know, we are humans with free will and a propensity towards sin, so there's always going to be need for us to bear with one another and to forgive one another. And so, in closing, would you stand with me? And we're just going to pray for a moment. Would you just close your eyes and, and turn your attention, set your mind on Jesus? Just say, you know, Lord, where is there disunity in my life? Lord, where is there unforgiveness in my life? Lord, where am I allowing division and separation to, to reign and to, to, to linger in my life? God, where do unity? And I just, just expect that the Lord will show you. Maybe there's 
somebody or there's some situation that pops into your head. And I just encourage you just to pray a prayer of forgiveness. Just repent uh, of allowing disunity, of allowing separation to continue in your relationships or in whatever situation. Thank you, Father. And if you're here today and you have never received God's forgiveness for you, I want to tell you that today the Father is reaching his hand out to you. He's asking you to come home. He loves you and he, he, he wants to bring you back into right relationship with him. And the truth is you don't need to do anything to earn his love. You don't need to get yourself ready for him. When he looks at you, he sees his precious son, his precious daughter, and he wants you to come home. And he wants to shower you with love and with grace and mercy. And if you want to say yes to that, just pray with me, would you? Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen.